हेलो एंड वेलकम टू द हिंदूज पार्ले आई एम सोनम सैगल एंड इट इज माई प्रिवलेज टू हैव रिटायर्ड जस्टिस ऑफ द सुप्रीम कोर्ट इंदू मल्होत्रा एंड सीनियर एडवोकेट ऑफ द सुप्रीम कोर्ट देवदत्त कामत The apex court goes on vacation for 45 days in summer around 2 weeks during Diwali and winter and works for around 193 days a year as on December 1 2022 there are 69598 pending cases in the top court this brings me to our topic for today should courts close for vacations ma'am can you please explain to our listeners why do courts go on vacation and why can't it function like any any other arm of the democracy and keep working around the year well you have to appreciate the kind of work which is discharged by the judiciary if we don't have vacations you'll just have a breakdown of people the judiciary caters to 1.4 billion population and the judge ratio to the population is 21 judges to a million and i think india has the most overburdened judiciary they certainly require vacation one is you need the rest both mental and physical and apart from the vacations we have the time is utilized even for writing judgments because you are left with very little time when the courts are on as you have to prepare for cases the workload is so large on a monday friday which are normally the admission days in supreme court you have a minimum of 50 to 75 matters which you have to read if you have to discharge justice because without having read your papers you can't you know pass appropriate orders so therefore you do need this break and uh, you need it for rest plus to write your judgments and overcome you know pendency in fact we uh, urgent matters are also taken up in during vacations vacation benches are assigned so we do work even during vacations we take turns apart from that i don't know if you recall that the njac matter was heard for several weeks during the summer vacations so the if the you know if it becomes imperative courts do sit during vacations and discharge matters you know which uh, can be disposed of expeditiously so as a lawyer do you think it is important for judges to go on vacation actually i completely subscribe to uh, what honorable justice uh, malhotra has just now pointed out uh, i think this whole uh, debate which is being played out by certain sections in the government uh it's actually pandering to populism but from an insider's perspective since we are a part of the system i can tell you that ultimately whether a judge or a lawyer should go on vacation or not cannot be dictated by persons who have never practiced now we have to see whether the system of vacations actually promotes uh, efficiency in de- delivery of justice or whether it is actually creating this backlog and i i'm uh, i don't know if uh, you know you are aware that if you compare judicial systems around the world indian supreme court is the probably the most overburdened court in the entire world now i i was just looking at some data for instance australia has only 97 working days 
where oral arguments are actually uh, adduced. Number two, India, for that matter, has 190 work, around 190 to 195 working days. Now, if you compare the holidays, Singapore has 145 holidays. UK has a UK Supreme Court has about 180 holidays and Canada about 120. So why do uh, courts go on vacation? That's a very, you know, important uh, point which we have to understand. It's not only about recreation. The vacation time, as uh, Justice Malhotra has pointed out, first of all, is a time which enables the judges to kind of rejuvenate themselves. And there is so much of judicial work which is undertaken in the vacation. For instance, writing of judgments, uh, researching. These are things which you cannot uh, actually do during the court, uh, court timings. I don't know if you are aware that our Supreme Court hears on a day-to-day -day basis about 60 to 65 cases on a miscellaneous day, which is Monday and Friday, and about 20 to 30 cases on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. The judges have to dictate orders and thereafter if there are important judgments, important matters, they have to write judgments which in, involves a certain degree of reflection. You can't, you know, make uh, judges uh, work round the clock and expect them to deliver high quality judgments. So I think uh, uh, it's it's accepted uh, system or world over that if you want efficiency, you have to give judges time. It can't be run of them. It's not like cutting uh, ribbons for the politicians and, you know, giving speeches which have uh, little or no consequence to uh, people. So I, I completely support what Madam Malhotra has said. Right. So apart from uh, writing judgments, if ma'am, you can spell out each and everything that judges do during vacation. And also, as you have already mentioned that, you know, there are benches that sit even during vacation for pending cases. If you can spell out other than just uh, research and judgments, what is what are the other things that you do for our listeners to understand? It's like this, that first of all, you have to appreciate that a judge's work is not limited to the hours spent in the courtroom. To be ready first for cases, you have to read through the evening and very often late into the night or early hours of the morning to complete your reading for the next day. So there's a lot of work which goes on at the residence beyond court hours for preparation of hearings which are listed on the next day. Secondly, the volume has increased tremendously. There are almost 24, 25,000 matters which are filed each year. And, you know, therefore you cannot compare our system with other courts or other wings of the government. Now, most of the work is done, in fact, beyond quotas for preparation of hearing, research for judgments, and the files have become now more and more voluminous and the issues are complex and complicated. So to read, to comprehend, and to make an assessment certainly requires time and effort. Apart from this, it's not only admission matters, we have after-notice matters to dispose of, and also final hearings which require detailed judgment and consideration. Uh, several of these judgments require detailed judgment because there may be a conflict of judgments between two high courts or more or, uh, you know, a matter requires of substantial importance. It requires a lot of deliberation and we do draw 
upon jurisdiction from, uh, uh, I'm sorry, jurisprudence of other countries. We do rely upon it. And so it entails a lot of research to be carried out. Apart from that, uh, each of the judges is given a chance to go and participate in national and international seminars and conferences. So all these uh, things have to be factored in before a comment is made that, you know, uh, we don't deserve these long vacations. Believe me, if we don't have the number of holidays in Supreme Court, and I'm telling it to you from my personal experience, it would be very difficult to function. You do need that amount of rest. It's cerebral work and it's really tiring and exhausting at the end of, you know, the term. And apart from that, you do need time to spend with your uh, judicial law clerks, instruct them, get, you know, a lot of material which enriches your uh, judgments. So all this, you know, does require time. You can't just, and we, as Mr. Kamath rightly put it, we have to dictate orders in the court. We have to ensure after court hours that, you know, the corrections are carried out. It reflects correctly what was dictated in court. And then we have to sign off. So it's not such a simple process. And then our judgments also get circulated to the brother or sister colleagues who go through it. They make their remarks and then, you know, fine tuning takes place. So that is why, you know, that is what we do when we are not in the courtroom. Right. So we know that there are special benches that sit during vacation. Now, sir, do you let your clients know this? As a lawyer, do you feel that your cases suffer when the court is not functioning in its full capacity? Uh, I do not think so. See, one before I address this, I, there, there is one more aspect to this. Judges, of course, require rest and so do lawyers. So if, uh, you know, certain sections of uh, politicians are... Uh, views are to be uh, taken into account they are only talking about the judges now the lawyers uh, as well form uh, an important part of this process if the judge has to deliver a quality judgment it also depends to a certain extent how much assistance we are able to give now if the lawyer has to work 365 days a year his output in the court is also going to be very uh, not up to the mark so therefore even lawyers for that matter need uh, uh, vacations now the point which uh, you are making about whether justice suffers i do not think so for example in the vacation uh, benches we have a listing uh, uh, criteria if there are urgent urgent matters like bail if if there are issues of uh, death penalty uh, urgent uh, is issues regarding evictions all those matters are taken up and uh, uh, you know i have been part of uh, uh, matters which have been taken up in the vacation for instance the supreme court sat up at about 12 o'clock uh, uh, in the night that was during vacation the karnataka matter so i do not think if there is an matter which requires urgent consideration the judges say that we are on vacation that's not how our court works so it depends upon the urgency. For example, if there is a usual tax matter, obviously that can wait till the vacations end. But if there is urgency, the courts do take up on a priority basis, even in the dead of the night. So recently, as we all know, that the union law minister Kiran Rijiju made a remark in Rajya Sabha, and I quote, there is a feeling among people of India that the long vacation which the courts obtain is not very convenient for justice seekers. Ma'am, what are your views on this? I would disagree with that because from my personal experience, 
I feel that the vacation we get is, you know, just about sufficient to enable us to discharge our functions and maintain our efficacy in, you know, the work which we are interested with. It's not possible to, you know, work at a higher speed because the work is so voluminous, which you, you know, cannot imagine until you enter the judiciary. And that's when you realize it's really a daunting task. In fact, as Mr. Kamath rightly pointed out also about lawyers, in fact, there's been a comment which was, I think, made by the Chief Justice of India and also by Justice Oka. He said that, you see, the justice delivery system will improve, you know, if the quality of lawyers improves, because he's absolutely right. You know, the assistance we get from lawyers is, of course, extremely invaluable. And over and above that, we do our own research also. So, you know, as part of the justice delivery system, it's necessary to have these breaks. It's necessary. Otherwise, you know, it becomes difficult to go on working at this breakneck speed. And I've known sometimes judges, you know, have a breakdown. They develop high blood pressure. They start, you know, they have they develop a lot of physical problems because of the enormous pressure of work. So what are your views? Uh, I, I also completely disagree with the comments of the Honorable Law Minister. I do not think the law minister has ever practiced law in his career. Uh, I don't think if he had ever practiced, such comments would have come. Uh, practice of law or the justice delivery system cannot be viewed at from the point of view of populism. Just because an institution works more number of days, puts in 18 hours of work, it does not necessarily result into efficiency. So therefore, we cannot view this from the paradigm of, oh, XYZ goes to 10 places, inaugurates uh, some projects, and therefore they're working 18 hours a day. And we expect the same from the judiciary. Here, every word which a judge speaks and every uh, judgment or an order which he writes, it affects lives of people. There is These are matters of life and death uh, of uh, citizens. So I do not think by increasing the hours of work, uh, that will create more efficiency. And for your kind information, uh, this whole perception that the judiciary does not work enough is totally bogus. Uh, if you see the Supreme Court website per day, if you go and see how many judgments are, this is apart from orders, how many judgments are delivered per day. If you go and see minimum of 10 to 15 judgments you will find per day, which is given by the Supreme Court. You can tell me which court in the world gives judgments of this magnitude. If the US Supreme Court gives a maximum of 10 to 15 judgments in an year, and today we have Supreme Court of India, which gives 10 to 15 judgments a day. So therefore, I think all these statements are uh, absolutely without uh, doing a proper research. So taking a cue from what you said, most of the law ministers that India has seen have been experienced lawyers. So how crucial do you think it is for a law minister to have considerable experience in the legal field? See, uh, if you come from a legal background, you have uh, practice in the system. Obviously, you have an insider view, but this is not rocket science. If you talk to your peers, if you talk to your colleagues, you have the learned attorney general, you have the solicitor general, you have a host of law officers. Probably if you take inputs from them, you know, you can understand how uh, the judiciary functions. So I do not think it is a disqualification that you are not from the legal fraternity. But I, I sincerely feel that the law minister should uh, would have been better equipped if he had uh, conducted uh, a, a proper discourse 
talk to cross sections of lawyers and judges and uh, you know come out with a considered proposal or considered suggestion i think this is off the cuff remarks which probably is very unfortunate i'll refrain okay <laughs> all right in 1987 the law commission had suggested that there should be 50 judges to 10 lakh citizens instead of 10 which existed then this is yet to happen and successive governments have failed to make a breakthrough is the burden of clearing the pendency only with the judges then uh, well yes it's like this that the number of judges in the supreme court was increased during justice gogoi's tenure and that i think has helped a lot in clearing the pendency but uh, you see this process they'll have to do a proper study to see what should be the number i won't give an you know off the cuff number of course the volumes of litigation have increased manifold since then so a proper study will have to be carried out to see what should be but of course everyone knows that the ratio is completely reflective of the inadequacy of the judge population ratio it was uh, as i mentioned earlier 21 judges per million which is you know enormous and now with the uh, volumes going up of course the numbers would change but proper research and study is required to be carried out because you see the more judges you appoint also the infrastructure will have to commensurately be provided it has to be increased and i believe the infrastructure at the lowest level is very inadequate and uh, you know so to uh, really to be a part of an efficient justice delivery system the government will have to make provision for that see one uh, aspect of this is of course uh, increase in the strength of uh, judges which uh, uh, i think uh, needs to be done and uh, honorable justice malhotra is right for that we will have to do research but i am saying that even the existing strength if you see even supreme court we have five to six vacancies and uh, despite uh, recommendations uh, it takes months together for the government to actually appoint so if you see high court the supreme court has uh, you know sent several recommendations and uh, some recommendations are pending with the government for years together so it's not only about uh, uh, increasing the strength it's also uh, you know ensuring that the recommendations made by the supreme court are processed by the government in time and uh, appointments are done in accordance with the judges uh, case the indian judiciary's annual report reveals that even during the pandemic from april to september 2021 the supreme court decided 18257 cases so do you think that the judiciary is never applauded and only criticized by the current government ma'am I won't comment on that because <laughs> I don't comment on remarks by the government because I know we I was a part of I was in the court when the pandemic took place and I sat in the courts also in fact my secretary rang up the chief justice of India asked each of the judges if they were willing to come to court and uh, you know most of us agreed and we went to the court even if there was you know the apprehension that we would contract covid etc in the first two phases but and we did discharge the work actually one of the aspects also which need to be considered apart from all this is with respect to periodic you know training which has to be carried out and specialized benches being constituted which will facilitate and expedite disposal of cases 
So it's not only vacations and all, like, you know, there are, like a judge has to deal with myriad, uh, you know, subjects which they may not have practiced as a lawyer. So I think, you know, it's very necessary to keep do periodic training. Of course, the judicial academies have come up. It must be made imperative rather than optional for, uh, you know, uh, judges from the subordinate judiciary and even right up to Supreme Court. Like there are so many issues which, you know, come before us. For an efficient system, I think these periodic, you know, courses or seminars, etc. and discourses are very important. And I think the other aspect is for expeditious disposal of cases, you do need specialized benches because, you know, they are very updated on that subject. And I think it leads to uh, faster disposal of cases. See, uh, criticism of any democratic uh, institution, I think if it's uh, made uh, with good intentions, I think it is welcome, just like the executive or the legislature if uh, there are failings within the judiciary, I think uh, the executive uh, or the legislative wing are free to comment just like any other citizens. But I think here, what we have seen over last uh, uh, several decades is that this criticism and an endeavor to control the judiciary becomes uh, more apparent when there is an executive with a very, very strong majority. We faced a similar problem during uh, Mrs. Gandhi's time where, you know, uh, blatant attempts were made to control the judiciary. I think uh, the attempt which is sought to be made today where the executive has an overwhelming majority and a very strong executive, it it tends to kind of uh, impinge upon the independence of the judiciary. These are attempts being made, I I think our judiciary is resolute and is capable of, uh, you know, defending itself and its independence. I also believe that one democratic institution should not be making, you know, uh, adverse remarks against the other, you know, uh, because everyone is trying their best. There are aberrations in every system, in every wing. So I don't think that really should be highlighted because it does undermine also, you know, uh, public respect for uh, the institution, which is not a healthy practice. Right. Great. On that note, thank you very much, uh, Justice Malhotra, for your time. And thank you, Mr. Kamath. I really appreciate both of you being here for the discussion. Thank you, Sonam. Thank you. Thank you.